Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Let's jump into this sermon. What I'm about to share with you is nothing new. There's no cool special revelation. I mean, there's not, like literally, this is as plain Jane as a sermon as you can have right here. It needs to be reminded, and more importantly, it needs to be practiced. It's not hard to understand, but it is hard to practice continually. So we're going to read, let's let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Jim, let's read Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse, uh, what verse should I give you? Verse uh, 10. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Let's keep on going. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. You need it all. So far we've covered the belt of truth. We've covered the breastplate of righteousness. And we've covered having our feet shod or uh, prepared with the gospel of peace. Put it all on. Don't put some of it on. Put it all on. Everybody say all. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. The devil has plans for you. The devil has ideas for your life. Those are not good. You don't want them. The devil has specific arrows that he will light on fire and he will target your life and he's about to shoot them your way. And he, and he is shooting them your way. Somebody say amen. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world force of the darkness, against spiritual forces in this present age. Okay? Uh, wickedness in heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the full. Second time he says it. Take it all up. Take it all up. Part of your life may be exposed. You need to put on the armor of God. Okay? So take it up. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. Verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded. Everybody say, having. If you, there's, a, there's this transition that's going to happen today. You, you having girded the belt, having put on the breastplate, and having put on the shoes. Today, it switches from having to now take up. The, the previous three things is something you should, should be prepared and going on and secured and fastened to your life right now. If you are of a certain age, and that age, let me just step off, of, let me just step onto a soapbox for a second. There's a box. I'm stepping on it. If you're not taking seriously the foundation of teaching your children truth at a young age, your kids will grow up to be unprepared and needing to put on actively truth when they should have already had it put on. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. And when you prioritize certain things in your life above Areas where they can be taught the word of God. Sunday morning, Sunday school. Miss Carolyn, say amen. Wednesday night. Man, they got football practice. They got this, they got that. They got, I don't need to have them at church. They can do whatever. Whenever you prioritize other things rather than areas where they can absorb truth, teenagers and below, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be needing to find truth when you should have already had it put on. These three things are past tense. Truth, righteousness, and the gospel. You should understand, you should get, you should grow and mature and understand what it is, what truth is. There should be no question in a 13-year-old's heart about what truth is. If mom and dad and the church has done its job. That wasn't as popular as I thought it would be. 
There's no, there's no 15-year-old that's questioning what truth is. If mom and dad, the church, has done its job, then truth has been established in their heart. It's been, it's been tied around their waist. Righteousness, salvation, righteousness by faith, salvation comes to their heart, covers their heart at a young age. When they can begin to understand who Jesus is, amen? When they can begin to understand who God is, that we want them to be born again. We want righteousness applied to their heart at a young age. We don't want your kids to have to go through a season of rebellion and then God rescue them out of it. The greater testimony is that they already, they have it. The gospel. The way that the future church isn't led astray and isn't deceived, and if God didn't short those days, even the very elect would be deceived, the way that you avoid deception is you have a firm foundation of what the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom of peace is. So you're not led astray by a social gospel or a, or a, uh, a, a, a prosperity gospel or a man-centered gospel, but all those things have been established on your heart, and you, I have them. So, so the, the armor is I have truth. I have righteousness, and I have the gospel of peace. Those are past tense. They're in place in my life. That makes sense. Get your kids in church. Uh, let's go on. Verse 15. Having, having, I say having. Go back to verse 14, Jim. Having girded, verse 15. Having shod. That means put on, that's a weird word for put on your shoes. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16, in addition, taking up. And there's this transition, this is where we are today. Now that you have, the, you, you have these things established, trail, truth is established, righteousness is established, peace of the gospel established on my feet. Uh, it, when a soldier wakes up in the morning, he puts on his belt, he puts on his breastplate, and he puts on his shoes, and he doesn't take them off till he's done for the day. He doesn't, carry, he doesn't necessarily carry his shield and his sword and his helmet everywhere he goes. He puts them on whenever he's engaging He's taking them, right? But, but, but he, never takes off his, he never takes off his shoes, his belt, and his breastplate. They're, they're on all the time. He's always righteous. He's always in truth. And he's always prepared with the gospel of peace. Right? So in addition with what you have, right? In addition with what you, what you already have, take up. Grab a hold of the shield Grab a hold of the sword and grab a hold and put on your helmet and let's go battle. Take up. So today, whoo, it's my job to get us to take up our shield of faith. And let's begin to use it. Because hearts are being targeted by the fiery arrows of the enemy. And I'm seeing a lot of wounded believers. But we got to take up some faith and shield ourselves. In addition, take up the shield of faith. We're not gonna, we'll just stop here, Jim. With which faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's not a matter of if Satan is shooting at your life. It's not a matter of if hell is coming against you. It's a matter of if you are protected or not. It's a matter as if you are shielding your life with faith or if you're exposed. So those, what does the enemy do? He is the 
accuser of the brethren, right? Those hurls of accusation, those fiery darts of doubt and fear and worry and anxiety, those things, those lies, those lies about you and your life and your future and your existence that he's hurling and shooting your way. And if they're penetrating and getting into your heart and getting into your mind and getting into your soul and you're beginning to believe the lies of the enemy, I'm telling you, the only weapon that was formed to fight those things off wasn't any, uh, was no special secret, no secret revelation, no hidden gem in a closet back there. The only revelation that was designed by God to stop the onslaught of the hell's accusation, lies and fear and worry and doubt is what do you believe about God? Faith. Is he who he says he is? Will he do what he said he would do? And how much are you convinced that that's the case? Faith is not the middle of sin, but faith is, I believe it to the point, I will trust my life. I will will take what he has said and I will put it in front of me and that will shield me. Not hard to understand. Hard to do sometimes. Because, man, our eyes get distracted by that whirl that just whizzed right by our face. That flaming dark, what was that? Where did that thought come from? Oh, what just hit me in the arm? What? That hurts. The reality is that the wound of the enemy has our attention. But the truth is that what he said will protect our life and shield us by faith from his plan of killing, stealing, and destroying our heart and our life. Right now, It seems as if, though, a lot of conversation is around the woundedness of the people of God. And I'm hearing less and less and less and less and less faith. Look look right here. Look out here, Chester. It is not my idea. It is not my opinion the only thing that the word says will shield us from the fiery darts of the enemy is what we believe. Faith. Faith. This goes right along with what we, our message right now. Our, our, our little talk in worship a while ago. Your story's being told you're in the hard part of the story. Somebody say Amen. You're in the struggle bus part of the story. You're in the part of the story where, man, can we just go ahead and get to the next chapter? What you believe right now in this part of the story determines the future. The shield of faith is the only thing that can stop the onslaught of the lies and the accusation that are coming against your heart and against your mind. I wish there was another way. I wish there was a, I wish I could pray for you or somebody could pray for me and just stop. I wish that I could give a certain amount of money in the offering and it would just quit. Right? I wish I could uh, read 17 hours of the Bible and all of a sudden everything just stops. You can read the Bible and not be in faith. But you can't have faith without the word. You have to believe what you read. 
I wish there was some formula to get all these thoughts, all these motions to stop. There's only one thing that stops the onslaught. Oh, you got to grab that sword. You got to put it in front of you. You have to take it up. And you got to hold it in front of you. And only it can extinguish the firing darts. Your marriage is going to fail. God has joined us together. I'm going to die. Fill in the blank. By his stripes. I am. That's the battle. And that's the war for the Christian. That's the war for the Christian. Is faith. I failed God. I messed up. He'll never use me again. I remember being in Nicaragua. Praying for a pastor. Who said he had failed God and God would never use him again. And I was speaking to him in English. And he was being translated to me. His Spanish was translated to me in English. And my English being translated to him in Spanish. And I remember telling him. No, 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 no. God restores. It may be a fact that you messed up. It may be true that you goofed up in some way. God restores. And I'm sitting here praying and I'm prophesying over him. And, and, the, and, the, and tra- the translator is sitting there translating my English. And finally, the, and the tears are rolling down this guy's face. And he starts swatting at the interpreter. And the interpreter's like, Finally tells me, the interpreter tells me to be quiet. I'm like, I'm trying to prophesy. Interpreter tells me to be quiet. They talk, you know, they talk for a little bit in Spanish. I had no idea what's going on. And the interpreter says, I don't understand this. And he starts crying. I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. But he says for me to stop interpreting because he understands you clearly and it's messing him up whenever I'm interpreting Raise your hand if God has given you a sign, given you a word, answered a prayer recently in your life. Raise your hand. Why is it, and I'm talking to Chester as much as I'm talking to anybody else in this room. Why is it that the flaming arrow gets more attention than the answered prayer, word, or scripture, or whatever it is that the Lord offers? But something's holding our attention. Right? Why, why isn't the conversation about the arrow versus the word, versus the shield? Let's, let's read a, a, an Old Testament passage about Abraham and Abram. Abram, before he's Abraham, this is Genesis chapter 15. Verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, everybody say with me, do not fear. That could mean don't worry, don't fret, no anxiety, don't fear. God's saying, I've got this. Abraham's saying, don't really know if you do. God says, stop fearing. Yes, but. That Abraham, how could he ever do that? How could he ever say that? Amen? Oh, y'all, no, 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 don't say amen. You said that. I said that. We do that. God gave you a word about your situation, and you said, yeah, but do you not see how, I mean, there's arrows, man, coming my way. Right? These things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear, I God am a shield to you. 
It's fascinating to me that the beginning of the story in Genesis, Abraham, the father of faith, and the revelation of faith to Abraham is that of a shield. It's almost like the Bible kind of was led by the Spirit. Paul saying many years later, the shield is faith. God says, don't fear, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. Hebrews teaches us that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. My question to you is do you have fear in your heart today or do you believe what God said? Can you stand behind the word about what God says and do you believe God wants to reward you? Do you believe actually God wants to give you the good thing he's promised you? Or in your mind, have you been shot with an arrow that makes you believe this is how it's always going to be? It's never going to get better. I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to hurt. I'm always going to feel bad. I'm always going to struggle. My son's never going to come back to the Lord. My marriage is always going to be dysfunctional like this. Whatever your case or your situation may be, do you have you believe that this is how it is? Or do you believe that God is your rewarder? I am a shield to you. I will reward you greatly. This is the battle. This is, this is so easy to understand. It's so hard to do. This is the battle. What do I believe about God? Am I more convinced of his reward? Or am I more convinced of the flaming arrow? How, how though... Uh, how do, how, do I, how do I get myself in faith? Verse 2 says this. Abraham said, Lord, um, I know you said don't fear, but uh, what will you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Let's keep on going. Abram said, since you have given no offspring, or, uh, Abram said to the Lord, uh, you haven't given me any offspring. In other words, look at me, look at me. Abraham will be known as the father of faith, championed in the rest of Scripture, rightfully so, as the father of our faith, that we see moments of struggle and outright trying to get it done outside of God in his life. Faith is not the ability to walk out perfectly what God has said. Faith is the ability to get back in front what should be in front and get behind that word and keep your life guarded. The constant struggle is today that shield is heavy. I'm not sure I want to pick it up right now. The constant struggle isn't perfect faith. The constant struggle is today after day after day after day. Be faithful in believing. A faith that endures. At this age, Abram's name hasn't even changed. He's not that old. He won't have the promise fulfilled until he's 90-something years old. It is decades away. Decades away. The number of times he will have to pick up that shield and guard himself from thoughts that this is never going to happen would blow our minds. His faith isn't that it was great that he could believe for the impossible. His faith was that he decided today after day pick up his shield and not say today I leave it on the ground and leave himself exposed. The one thing the enemy wants to do is to shoot at you until you're tired of defending your faith to the point where you will stop picking it up and stop shielding yourself with it because if he can get you exposed, he can get you, he can get you wounded. That shield was heavy. It was a wooden shield with either a metal or leather liner on it. That was the part that would extinguish the flame. And that thing was heavy. Faith is heavy. 
I have to at times grab. Remember, uh, Hannah, I love you, baby. I love you. I love you. This girl at a young age had a gift for fit throwing. How many raise your hand if you ever saw one? Yeah, okay. Terrible. Hyperventilate. There's times where Missy has thrown cold water in her face to get her to stop going. <laughs> I mean, just like, I mean, freak smooth out. She got that from her mama. And there would be times. Am I joking? No. Okay, thank you. She's gotten a lot better. She only does it about twice a week now. Anyway, so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But this, look at me. As a father, this is the times what I would have to do is I would have to literally grab her face and make her look at me and go, child, listen to me. How many of you felt right there recently? where God has had to grab you by the face and say, would you just look at me? Your life is spinning out of control. You're hyperventilating. You're overcome with fear, worry, doubt, anxiety. You have begun to believe things you never thought you would believe about yourself and your future. And God has to grab. He is so faithful to secure even our own faith by grabbing us by the face and say, just look at me, child. Abraham says to him, since you've given me no offspring, this is your fault, God. You haven't done it yet. I'm going to share you, uh, I'm going to share a very personal, probably too personal. It scared me. I had a moment a few, a few weeks ago, one of those anxiety moments, one of those moments where I'm like, man, what's going on? I feel all by myself out here in the middle of nowhere, right? This has never happened, and I hate when I'm about to tell you. But I had this, like, dream, or I'm not saying the dream, it's like this uh, thought where I got overcome, and what I did was I walked up to Jesus, and I just two-hand pushed him. Where, why are you letting this happen? And immediately, I repented for having an, like an out-of-head thought. I've never in my life had a thought hit me like that. Like, I was mad. Why is this happening? That's what happened. I just walked up to him and just, why is this happening? Chester, that's not very preacher of you. What do you got to do at that point? You better grab a shield. And you better lift it up. And you better get behind it. Yeah. I repented, God, I'm sorry. God. And it, it, it didn't bother me because I think God was mad at me. It bothered me because I've never gone that far in a thought before. Does that make sense? And I was like, what is going on? Why would Abraham say to him, you've not done what you said you would do? Since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. In other words, I'm going to do what I said I would do. He shall be your heir. Time out. Black out the screen. I'm taking Greek classes. And this week, one of our vocabulary words, I don't know the Greek, I haven't, I haven't done my flashcards yet. One of the Greek words is sign. In other words, a sign and a wonder, right? And he's, and 
my teacher is like just, I mean, he's really on just on that language. He's not really exegeting things. Like he's not really prof- uh, uh, expounding on things scripturally. He's just teaching us the language, the biblical Greek. But he stops for a moment and he says, a sign. He says, one of my pet peeves is that we have just made this word sign to mean a miracle. But we do not put in the, the, the emphasis that when God performs a sign, a wonder, a miracle that points us to God, makes us look in his direction or points us to what he's going to do. Like it's a sign to us. Like it shows us something like I've got you, dude. The other day, when I was having that moment, that morning, I had that moment and I literally prayed out loud. I said, God, you've got to have somebody get a hold of me. And it wasn't like, it wasn't, I, I didn't mean in my heart a church person, somebody in, within the, the realm of the flock. I needed somebody to call and check up on me. And, and within a few hours, my phone dinged and Dr. Gladstone said, what's going on? We don't talk. We talk once every two months. Dr. Gladstone, but, and, and immediately I started crying. And I said, God, you heard my prayer and you answered it. Amen. Now, if that, here's the crazy part about this whole thing. If that moment, that little thing, though, can be drowned out by the arrows flying by, and I'll be more conscious of the arrows than I will be of the answered prayer. How many you know what I'm talking about? This is where the battle of faith comes in. This is where we grab the shield, we buckle it to our arms, and we hold it in front of it. And if our arm's tired, we grab our other arm and we hold it up. And we, we, we refuse to lower faith. Go ahead. So my point is a sign. Everybody say a sign. He took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens. I'm going to give you a sign, Abram. I'm going to give you a sign that for the rest of the days until this promise is fulfilled, you'll have something to see that will energize your faith and say, just like this, this is going to happen. That makes sense? And he said, go outside and count the stars. And from that day until the baby was born, Abraham counted stars on a regular basis. He would begin to get overwhelmed Hang on one second, Sarah. I, I mean, and she's in there, and, and God bless her. She's, she's uh, uh, you know, this, we have, we've been trying. Abram, we've been trying. This is not working. What is going on? Uh, and and, and hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second, Sarah. One, two, three, four, five. And for the rest of his days, Abraham counted stars. Why? Why? Because the stars would be a sign to him. That makes sense? Now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned him as righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Do you have stars to count? Do you have a word you're standing on? Has God spoken to you? Let me ask you this. I know the answer to that question. The answer is yes. My question is, do you still recall it? I think there's people in the sound of my voice that God has spoken to you about your life and your future and about a situation or whatever it is, and you have so long focused on the arrows and the wounds that have been created, you've forgotten what God has said. If you don't have stars to count, you need to maybe go back on some old journals Old testimonies, you need to get, what's your favorite scripture? Why is it your favorite scripture? Was it because in a moment of crisis, God gave you a word to stand on and it became your favorite scripture, but you forgot why you stood on that word? You're going to have to count the stars again.
Maybe he's, I don't know, I, I'm guessing. Maybe at Abraham, he's, he's 35. And maybe at 42, he's just, they're going from one place to another place. They're, they're sojourners and they're, they're traveling through the land. And maybe what's one night and it's late in his thoughts are, man, is this ever going to happen? It's been seven years. I'm getting tired. And he's looking down at his horse or his donkey, and he's just, he's, man, this is, I'm getting tired, I'm getting tired. This is not, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. One, two, three, four, five, six. As he remembers what God had said, we've stopped counting the stars. Haven't we? Come on, who would be honest in the room and say, I've stopped counting the stars? I'm talking about what God has spoken over your children who aren't serving God right now. I'm talking about what God has spoken over your, your future, your marriage, your job, your family, your church. There are about three or four things in my life right now that they're in the middle of being made into a powerful testimony that I literally sit here and go, man, I wish I could tell y'all about this. Can't. But when in the midst of walking out this story, And now we go through this patch where it's harder than it's ever been. And, I've done, and, it's, and, I, and a matter of fact, um, I'd rather not walk out the rest of this story. Can I take a break? Can I stop being faithful? You know what I'm saying? There has, there's a season here where we've got to count the stars. There's a season here where we've got to remind ourselves who God is, what he has said, and then we got to test our hearts and say, do I believe it? What do you believe more? What God has said or what the arrow says? And again, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the, the, uh, brethren, the father of lies, hurling thoughts and insult and, and, and prophesying from the demonic realm over your future, Your son's going to die. Your daughter's always going to be an addict. Your husband's never going to love you. Your wife's never, you, know, you see what I'm saying? And we can go through all these lies and all these accusations. But I'm going to question, what do you believe? And then what is your mouth communicating that you believe? I wish I could grab a sword and I wish I could run over to the enemy, your enemy. Shooting arrows at you, I wish I could cut his head off. I wish I could. I wish one of you could do it for me and mine. Doesn't work that way. At this moment, what you have to do is take up the shield of faith. And cover yourself with it. So the whole point of this sermon is real simple. It's not complicated. Grab a hold of faith. And believe what God has said. Believe that God is not punishing you. Or trying to teach you a lesson. Or trying to use you as some weird experiment in some twisted game. But actually believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's diligently seek him? I'm not reading my Bible enough. I don't do this enough. I don't do that. That's not what diligently seek him. Diligently seeking him is, is, is diligent, be diligent to grab a hold of the shield and keep it in front of you. Don't lower the shield. Don't lower the word. Remember my, remember my talk. I'm almost done, I promise. Remember my talk, men and day, right? Greek. Y'all gonna get tired of me saying Greek, okay? It's okay. 
men and day. On the one hand, this, but on the other hand, right? On the, raise, your, raise your hand if, if, if on one hand, man, there's been some struggle in your life. Come on, raise your hand. Don't lie in the house of God. Raise your, there's been some things to struggle. Raise your hand if you have seen God move and answer prayer on the other hand. Right, good. Okay, now my question to you is why does one get a louder voice than the other? And a lot of times it's not the answered prayer. It's not the God voice. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the fiery dart that gets all the attention. I just don't feel energized or full of hope or I just don't feel it. It's not about our feelings. It is faith and feelings are rarely in the same house coexisting. Faith is to simply Take God at his word and to begin to live your life as if his word is true. Well, you know, every day I get up and I speak with that promise over my life. You got to, what action are you putting behind it? That's faith. This is what I want to say. This is one thing no one else can do for you. They can help you. They can pray for you, right? Uh, Jude 1, I think it's 20. Is that right, Jim? It's again, it's another, another one of those scriptures we've taken very individual. That's a plural. Build yourselves up. Beloved, plural. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the spirit. I'm going to tell you, everybody, right now, something that I, unapologetically, there is no way you get into faith without the Holy Ghost. The Spirit makes faith come alive. We need the Holy Ghost. Amen? Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We can pray for one another, but listen to me. My word is not for you, your words for you. This is a lie. Look at me all across the room. This is a lie. I'm, 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 I'm saying things as, as I feel the Spirit leading me. Yes, He is speaking. Don't tell me God's not speaking. That is a lie. Yes, He is speaking. To he who has an ear, let him hear. To he who has an eye, let him see. Right? To he who has an ear, let him hear. The Lord is speaking. Uh, what were we talking about? When there's a lot of chaos going on in your life, you get tunnel visioned on something. This is why big bucks die. Right? They're running around the woods and they have lost all their senses. And they're only thinking about one thing. That makes sense? And it leaves them vulnerable. And in, in, in some way, in some way, it's a terrible analogy, but in some way, when the arrows are flying at us and all we see is arrows and flying is accusation of the enemy, it's... I guarantee you, if everything was to stop, the first thing you hear is the voice of the Father speaking right there. But our attention is so, right? Uh, my wife has this ability. All five, uh, all four of us in the house can be running around with our hair on fire, <laughs> screaming bloody murder, and she can get so focused on, like, on a book or something. That makes sense? And it's like, do you not realize your child is screaming and, you know, and on fire? And she's like, oh, hey, hey, what's going on there? And, like, it was loud and she never heard it. That's what's going on is the, is the chaos of the world is so loud in our ear. The voice of the Father is speaking, but we're not hearing it. It's not that he's not speaking. The lie is God's not talking to you right now. 
If, that, if you've said that, if you're saying that, stop saying that. God is talking to you right now. God is speaking. He is not silent. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do you believe that? You beloved, that's plural, building yourselves up. That's plural. So there is this thing that we can do. We can help each other a little bit, right? Moses needed a couple of guys to come lift his arms up, but it had to be his arms lifted up. Does that make sense? So we can pray for one another, and we're going to do that. But, I, but honestly, look at me. Look at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I can't hold your faith up for you. Amen. I wish I could. I would. I can't hold. I can't hold your faith up for you. I can't control the word that come out of your mouth. I mean, there had been there had been times where I needed someone to say to me and I needed to feel the, the, the need to say to somebody else, you've got to stop saying that. Anybody out there? You need to stop saying that. Is it because I'm in, I, I believe this hyper faith stuff? That's not what I'm talking about. What you're saying is my shield's not up. Does that make sense? That's what you're saying. I'm not the name it, the claim it guy. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not all that. I am the, if he said it, say it too guy. Um, the most obvious thing to say when you've been hit by an arrow is I've been hit by an arrow. But at some point, you can stop saying that now. And now you begin to say what God has said. There's some of you who talk about the arrow that was shot 10 years ago. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm saying this. I'm saying, I'm saying we, we understand you're wounded. I, I actually do have compassion and sympathy for that um, but this wound is all you talk about it's, it's now time to say what God says am I okay this morning there's another thing here where there's a worship that we can only give. Uh, Bill Johnson said this at the death of his wife the other day. The death of his wife from cancer the other day. That there was a worship he could only give. When we get to heaven, all of us get to heaven, there will be no more death, there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow, no more sadness. Praise God. Worship when there's no death, no tears, no sorrow, uh, that's probably going to be pretty easy. When you're actually beholding the throne of God and the circling cherubim and the people falling on their face, I don't think that you will have a hard time worshiping. As a matter of fact, I think it'll be pretty involuntary. I think we, I think we will, uh, yes, okay. Matter of fact, I know it's going to be involuntary because every nation, tribe, and tongue will confess. So worship when everything's great, that's, that's good. That's awesome. Praise God. Not dogging it one bit. But in the middle of this story of triumph, it is a story of triumph. But right now you're going through the part that makes it a story of triumph. In the middle of the story of triumph, you have an opportunity to worship God in a way that you will never have again. To give him an offering, we bring a sacrifice of... Do you even know what you're singing? 
That in this moment of pain and grief and worry and fear or doubt, whatever's come against you, in this moment you can say what the arrow says or you can say, right now I have an opportunity to give to you, God, something that is invaluable. Worship, praise, thanksgiving. Hello, turkey people. Not the ham people. We're not talking to you. The turkey people. In this moment of thanksgiving, you may be saying, I don't feel thankful. I don't have as much to be thankful for. There was more back then. There was more back then to be thankful for than there is right now. I say hogwash. I say that's not what he says. And why are you saying it? I say you have an opportunity to say to God this worship, this gut-wrenching, beautiful moment of worship that is so special because it's right in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the pain. Everyone will worship in heaven, but can you worship right now? Grab your shield. Take up your shield. Give me, give me, give me, uh, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 16. In addition, taking up the shield of faith. I'm not changing the scripture, but I'm saying this is the only thing the scripture tells us that is able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I know what to say to you today. All I know to say to you today is take up faith and get behind it. Hold it out. I understand what you want. You want the arrows to stop. I do too. I do too. That they're not going to. Matter of fact, the fact that they're not means we're doing something right. This isn't a matter of stopping the arrows from coming. It's a matter of stopping the arrows from penetrating my heart. Take up faith. Stand up on your feet. This is a moment where you have to be real. There's there's people in this room right now. You need someone to pray with you. There's people in the room you need to you need to to grab hands with somebody. Come here, Lacey. You need to grab hands with somebody and you need to maybe even confess and say to them, I have not been in faith. Will you pray for me? The prayer isn't to get the arrows to stop. The prayer is God strengthen their faith. The disciples were smart enough to ask Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Didn't make them weak. Made them smart. I believe there are disciples in this room. You need your faith to be strengthened. If that's you, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to the front. I want to pray for you. Well, I want, I want us to pray for you. Just come on right now. Anybody else?
Anybody else? Come on. This is how you hold up your shield, maybe. I, I, you see what I'm saying? Anybody else? Now, here's what I want. I want somebody to come and just don't stand behind what you just come and stand in front of one of these people. Grab a hold of their hands and begin to pray with them that their faith would be strengthened. Come on, right now. Come on, Ben. Come on, church. This is what we're here for. We're here to help one another. For the rest of you, I want you to turn around and I want you to look around the room. If you see somebody the Holy Spirit's highlighting to you, I want you to go pray for them. 